is, uh, we're saying we go word, word of the Lord. Matthew chapter 6 and 9, our text for this series. Uh, before we go there, uh, three weeks from now is family camp uh, in Ocala. If you want to go uh, for that a few days, you'll be blessed uh, by that. It starts Wednesday night um, and Thursday and Friday, ends Friday night. And so uh, great speakers, is always a great time of refreshing and, and getting away. Amen. And uh, so three weeks, January or July uh, 8th, 9th, and 10th, I think. 7, 8, 9, somewhere around there. Three weeks. Uh, gives you time to get ready. Amen. So uh, always looking forward to that. Uh, Matthew 6 and 9, after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Amen. It's been a long journey following the kingdom through the Bible, and we are nearing the finish line. And as we can see that really how the kingdom is connected with every book of the Bible, it's the underlying theme. One of the underlying themes of the Bible is uh, the kingdom. From the first book of the Bible all the way to the last book, we can connect the kingdom of heaven and God's plan in it and the kingdom of heaven on earth first showed up in the first chapter of the bible and since adam and eve failed in their responsibilities uh, to rule and govern the earth as god's representative for the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of heaven was lost through the disobedience of one man but the kingdom of heaven will be regained and will be restored in the earth by the obedience of one man, Jesus Christ. The first Adam failed in allowing God's will to be done in the earth as it is in heaven. But the last Adam, Jesus Christ, will do what Adam didn't do or what he should have done. And that is to rule this world and the kingdoms in it with the dominion and authority from heaven. And so that God's will will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. And how is that accomplished is by having men and women surrender to the Spirit of God and live by the Word of God. That's how God's will is done in the earth whenever mankind says, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Uh, because uh, here on the earth, God has given us the, the, the free choice to make decisions that we don't have to do God's will, but it turns out it'd probably be best if we did God's will. We just have to learn the hard way sometimes uh, that uh, we need to surrender as uh, Bishop preached on Sunday. Uh, and so that's how God's will is done in the earth as it is in heaven because he needs vessels that will say, yes, Lord, your will to be done. And Adam and Eve, they got caught up in chasing their own will, their own curious desires, uh, being deceived or not. Uh, we, we can use that excuse, but ultimately they made the choice. Uh, and, and so God's will was ignored, uh, the, the, the will that uh, that fruit would not be touched. But while we look at the fall of mankind in Genesis chapter 3, we can look at it as a major setback to the kingdom of heaven and may even view it as a defeat, if you will. But God was not taken off guard. He, he knows the end from the beginning. He knew that would happen in the third chapter of his long book. Uh, so he was not taken back. He was not uh, surprised by their action. Instead, God used that as part of his will, and that was obviously uh, part of his will in the beginning. Uh, his God's plan and will will ultimately be accomplished. Even if you and I won't do his will, God's still going to get his will done. It's just a matter of not if we're going to be involved in it or not. If, if we're going to get the blessing by being the vessel and the instrument to which God uses to get that done, his will is going to be done no matter what. And so uh, the fall or the setback in Genesis 3 did not take God off guard and his will is still going to be completed. And the book of Revelation, as we've been walking through, is basically the foretelling of events that must take place 
before the kingdom of heaven is manifested in this earth as we know it. And we've been referring to this picture, if you put up picture number one, we refer to it as the timeline of the book of Revelation. It begins with the rapture of the church, the taking away of the saints, uh, where the restrainers is removed and the Antichrist is given the space to do uh, what he uh, thinks he's going to do. Uh, the seven seals, followed by the seven trumpets, uh, followed by the seven bowl or vile judgments, and uh, obviously after that, Jesus Christ comes to the earth for the second time. And so uh, we've got through last week, Revelation chapter 16, and we made it to the end of uh, the bowl or vile judgments, the seventh uh, one. But uh, if you're quick at math, we've made it through Revelation 16, but there's, there's 22 chapters in the book of Revelation. Um, and so we're not going to go through all the remaining chapters. Uh, but the seventh uh, vile, bold judgment was finished uh, in the end of Revelation chapter 16, which really ultimately, that's really the end of the, the Revelation period because that's when Jesus returns. Um, and so we saw that in Revelation 16, 17, the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. Uh, and so God's judgment for the earth is being completed uh, and it ends with the return of Jesus Christ to the earth. And as we read last week that the greatest earthquake that this world has ever experienced or ever will experience happens here during the seventh bowl judgment uh, and coincides with when Jesus' foot steps down and touches down on the Mount of Olives. And we are told that Jerusalem is split, that Babylon is demolished, that every island even disappears, that every mountain is flattened and gone, uh, all at this great earthquake that happens uh, the seventh vile judgment, and thus the angels say it is finished. And this is hap this happens obviously at the beginning uh, of the ending, uh, when Jesus returns, and the mouth, the sword that comes from his mouth, as it describes, that it smites the nations of the world that are gathered there uh, in Jerusalem to conquer Jerusalem, as, as so they think, and thus. Uh, the great harvest of the tares, as referred to in parables of the tares and wheat, uh, is, is seen there as well where, where God is described to being on the cloud with a sharp sickle. And he goes and he, the, 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 the earth is ripe and ready for harvest, meaning this, this great battle that takes place. And as it is described that the blood from this battle, uh, if you want to call it that, rises four feet up to the horse's bridle and it flows for nearly 200 miles. So that is the, the, the outcome of this battle whenever Jesus arrives um, and wipes out most of the armies of uh, the Antichrist or, and or this world. And so the enemies of God are, are destroyed there uh, when Jesus comes to establish the kingdom of heaven and the earth. And the book of Revelation is laid out chronologically. Uh, the events are chronological as, as, uh, as the judgments are. Uh, but the chapters aren't necessarily chronological uh, because at the end of Revelation 16 is, as I said, the end of the judgments, the seventh vial, uh, and thus begins the establishment of the kingdom of heaven. But as I said, that's Revelation 16. And Revelation 17 and 18 obviously come after 16, but that is not chronologically uh, because all of that is already done. The next, the chronological chapter that you would go from 16 is that you would jump towards uh, really kind of 20, the end of 19, and chapter 20 is where the timeline picks up. Uh, but chapters 17 and 18 goes on to provide more detail of the city of Babylon because, again, the seventh vile judgment, it declares Babylon is destroyed. Well, 17 and 18 kind of expand that out and talk about more about the city of Babylon and its effect and influence in the world. It's kind of like how in uh, Genesis chapter 1, we see God makes all, the, all seven days, uh, his account of all seven days of creation. 
and then God rested. But what happens in Genesis chapter 2, it kind of goes into more detail of the sixth day because God made man on the sixth day. In Genesis chapter 1, we don't read about God forming man from the dust of the earth. We read about that in Genesis chapter 2. And so Genesis chapter 2 goes into more detail of what God did on the sixth day. Um, and, and so that happens many times in the book of Revelation where it's all the vials, all the judgments are laid out real quick. Uh, then the next few chapters kind of go back and add more detail uh, to uh, those events. And so, uh, and like I said, the, the, the seals, the trumpets, and the judgments, they all uh, are chronologically but sometimes the chapters uh, skip around a little bit to provide more detail. And, and so chapters 17 and 18, we're not going to go in there tonight, even though they're next on the list, because it just describes uh, the Babylon, the great uh, city, and the great harlot, and, and all of its influence in the world. And we're already told that that's destroyed. Uh, and so, but it not it interesting that right after God last judged uh, the earth with a flood, that uh, two major cities arise out of that. Genesis chapter 11, we see uh, the Tower of Babel, which forms uh, Babylon. And um, a few chapters later, God calls Abram out in Genesis chapter 12. And then in chapter 14, Abram meets Melchizedek which is described as he is the priest of the Most High God. And where is the, the priest of the Most High God located? He's lo Melchizedek is the king of Salem, as in Jerusalem. Uh, and so in Genesis chapter 11, you got Babylon, the headquarters of evil and wickedness, and then Genesis 14 where where showed the, the beginnings of, of this city called Salem back then, and, and obviously becomes Jerusalem. But the, 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 the priest of the Most High God is the king over Salem in Genesis chapter 14. And so you got Babylon and you got Jerusalem uh, shortly after the flood, two big cities that come to, to be. And think about these, it's these two cities that are kind of central throughout the Bible. Even in, in the end of the age, what do we have? We have the Antichrist kingdom and, and established in Babylon. And then we have Jesus Christ, the Most High God, coming to Jerusalem to establish his kingdom there. And so in the beginning, you got Babel and uh, Salem. And in the end of the Bible, you got Babylon and Jerusalem, same cities, same kind of spirit from them, the same instance uh, evil comes from Babylon, and, and the, the Most High God uh, dwells in the city of Jerusalem. But only one of those cities is going to remain because we're already told that Babylon is destroyed as Jesus Christ reigns over the earth and establishes his kingdom uh, from Jerusalem. And, and so Revelation 19 begins with a, the celebration in heaven. Because the wrath of God is completed, that ends uh, that uh, that finished in Revelation 16, because 17 and 18 talk about Babylon. So 19 picks up uh, celebration in heaven. The wrath of God is done. It is it is done. It is complete. Uh, Babylon is destroyed, and it describes goes on to describe the marriage supper of the Lamb that happens in 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 heaven, um, and goes into more detail kind of about the last bold judgment of Revelation 16, uh, Revelation chapter 19 and 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness that he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the, the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen and white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he should rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. He had an, uh, on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And, and so we get that picture uh, the seventh, seventh vial poured out, and, and uh, God comes to the, the, to the aid of Jerusalem. 
and he comes with uh, the sharp sword in his mouth, which is the word of God. Verse 17, and I, I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, all the birds in the air, hey, come and gather yourselves unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which, were, which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that had worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And so here at the end of the destruction of Babylon, as we uh, mentioned, uh, we read about in the seventh vile judgment, uh, but here's kind of more details of how it plays out, how uh, the Antichrist and the false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire. Uh, verse 21, the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. And so I know it talks about uh, Jesus coming to the earth and the armies in heaven that are with him, but here it seems like Jesus is the only one that, that swings the sword. I mean, he just, I don't know, he doesn't even have to swing it. He just speaks it because the word of God is a sword and it comes out of his mouth. And, and the remnant were slain by the sword of the Almighty God. And, and God just takes everything, everybody out by himself. That's why many times you hear say the battle is not ours, it's the Lord. Even though we're there with God, it's God's battle. And he's the one that is going to do the fighting. And he's the one that's going to get the victory over uh, the Antichrist and, and the, these uh, false kingdoms in the last days. And, and we're there, we've got our... Whatever we have on, our white, white robes and linen and things, I don't know if we're uh, dressed for war, but it, clearly we don't need to fight because God's going to do all the fighting. But we're just, I'm just happy to be on the winning side, right? Go get him, Jesus. Amen. You know, if you need me, if you need me, I'll, I'll go. Uh, but obviously we can see that uh, Jesus doesn't need any help. He takes, out, he takes out armies of the entire world by himself. And uh, with just a spoken word, if that's what it ends up being, but we know it is the word of God, however he uses that. Um, and so here, uh, the fall of Babylon is described a little bit more, the fall of the Antichrist, the false prophet, all are, are, are fallen, um, and they were cast into the lake of fire, and I don't know if we or the world get to watch that happen, because it says they were thrown in there alive. And so they get to escape death, but uh, immediate e eternal damnation waits them. And so, uh, you know, that's not a big deal that they escape death because they're going right into the lake of fire. So I don't know if we get to watch it, if the news cameras are going to catch it all or whatever. I don't know. I don't even know if Jesus is going to just grab them and toss them in like a baseball or, or in the lake of fire or if an angel picks them up or just flicks them in. I don't know how it happens. Um, uh, but however it happens, once Jesus shows up, that is the end of the Antichrist. Amen. And as how powerful as the Antichrist becomes in the last days and that he rises to take over the world, uh, whenever Jesus shows up, that's it. His time is over. There's no need for the Antichrist when the, when the real Christ shows up, right? And so Jesus says, there's only room for one of us here, and I have more power than you. And so you're, you're out of here. Uh, and so the, the false prophet and the Antichrist, the beast, are thrown alive into the lake of fire when Jesus shows up. And then he's, he, everyone is slain and killed, which um, they just end up in hell anyways. Uh, but uh, the Antichrist and the false prophet, I guess, get special treatment because they get to get thrown right into eternal damnation. Um, and so uh, that ends chapter 19. Uh, and then we pick up in verse 20. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. 
and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And, and so now, uh, now that the Antichrist and the false prophet are out of the way and their armies are, uh, are dead, now we see an angel comes out and grabs that little dragon, that little lizard, uh, and, and puts a chain on him and throws him into the bottomless pit uh, where he was, must remain there for a thousand years, which is the time period where Jesus rules uh, this world from the throne of David in Jerusalem. Uh, this also obviously is called the, the millennial reign of Christ, the millennial kingdom, uh, kingdom of heaven, whatever you want to call it. That's is, this is where it is manifested uh, on the earth. And, and in verse 4, it says, I saw thrones, and, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, nor had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived, and they reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. And blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And so we know that Jesus is going to reign uh, on the earth uh, and rule his kingdom. But John also sees other thrones. And he says that uh, believers will also reign with Christ for these thousand years. Uh, and so uh, this ties back in with something that we saw in Revelation 5, uh, verse 9. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof. Thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred, a tongue, and people, and nation. These are the people in heaven. And hast made us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And so here obviously is, uh, uh, this was mentioned in verse five, chapter 5 of Revelation, where these people, the redeemed people of God, uh, are in heaven celebrating now, but they also say that we will reign on the earth uh, as kings and priests unto God. And so during the millennial reign, when the kingdom of heaven is brought to the earth, you and I and all those righteous saints will have uh, some type of position and power on the earth. Uh, and I don't know how uh, Jesus uh, will is going to set up his government, but um, I'll just use the terminology that we know and understand. And uh, if this comes out to be, I don't know how it's going to play out, but uh, we, uh, we are given thrones and, and judgment, uh, authority to judge, uh, the people of God, like I said, maybe will be senators or, or, and congressmen or mayors and governors or legislators and councilmen. I mean, uh, these are the positions that, that kind of rule in our current world, uh, and so that's how we understand judgment and authority. Um, um, so I don't know how it's all going to play out in the millennial kingdom, but uh, the righteous uh or get to rule and reign with Christ uh, as kings and priests and, and however that plays out. But imagine a world where Holy Ghost-filled, tongue-talking believers sit on every seat of power in the government. You imagine that in our, in our government, if every position of power, there was an apostolic Holy Ghost-filled believer that was sitting in that spot. Can you imagine what kind of world this would be? It would be like the kingdom of heaven. Peace and joy and righteousness is going, will reign in the earth. And, and there's never been any kingdom like it, nor will there ever be one. You see, you and I right now, uh, we, are, we are those people right now. We are ambassadors for Christ. We, we represent that kingdom that is to come. But there's kind of a struggle here. Because you and I, we live righteous lives. And we live by the word of God, but everyone around us doesn't. 
And you and I, we're not in seats of power in this world. And we don't have seats of power in, the, in this government. And so we're not the ones that are passing laws because if we were, we wouldn't be passing the laws that they're passing. Uh, and so uh, we, we would be the ones passing the laws so that God's will will be done uh, in the earth as it is done in heaven. But all that we see around us is corrupt politicians and injustice taking place and uh, unfairness and uh, corruption and the pain and suffering that goes along with this selfishness and pride and, and self-righteousness and arrogance that, uh, that mankind naturally uh, strives for and thrives in. Uh, and, and so but here you and I are, we're ambassadors for another kingdom, citizens of a, the coming kingdom. And we live by different laws, different standards of, of righteousness. And, and we see all this stuff around us and we shake our heads because we know it's not right. And we know it's not fair and injustice is happening. Uh, but there's coming a day that where you and I or and the righteous people will rule and reign with Jesus Christ on this earth. And we will, that will be a time like none other before and, and after because uh, that is where God's will will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. Because the people in power are Holy Ghost filled righteous believers. And so whatever God's will is, uh, that's what uh, will be done. But until that time, uh, obviously, we just keep praying and keep trying to do God's will in our lives as best we can uh, because ultimately things are going to flip-flop. Uh, we, 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 I know we're the, the minority in this world, um, but there's coming a day where things are going to turn around, where the kingdom of, of heaven is going to rule this entire world, and, and God's going to rule with a rod of iron and rule in righteousness Amen, and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an amazing time. And, and but as to what our kingdom roles are and positions are, uh, we're not sure. I'm not sure. It just says we'll rule and reign with him. Um, but the church it, the church is unique in many aspects. In that we're raptured out of here before uh, the craziness begins, uh, even crazier than now. Um, while the, Jew, the Jews are, are here to endure the tribulation, the church is, is spared from that, spared from the wrath of God and, and the, the time here on the earth. Uh, the church is called the bride of Christ, which tends to believe that, uh, you know, you're, you're a bride of somebody, that you're going to be betrothed and married. And we're, we're showed and we're told of a, a marriage supper of the Lamb that takes place in heaven. Uh, and so then uh, one would likely uh, uh, assume that we would be, become the wife of Christ uh, if we are the bride of Christ right now. Um, and how does that look out and play in future things? Not really sure. Just those are the terminologies that we have to work with and, and, and use. Uh, I've heard it said that uh, in, in the Garden of Eden, God gave dominion to Adam and Eve. To, to, he told them to, to rule and reign and have dominion on the earth. Uh, the husband and wife, uh, and, and so uh, they said, you know, well, the, the last Adam, uh, so the first Adam had a, a wife, and so the last Adam, being Jesus Christ, would also have a last Eve, if you will, uh, and that would fit, I guess, with the terminology of the, of, of the church being his bride. Um, but again, I don't know how all that plays out. All we have is these terminologies, these words uh, to work with. Uh, and the thousand-year reign that's coming. Uh, but, again, I don't think it really matters much. I just want to be there, you know. And I just want to be there to rule and reign with Christ. And however it's going to be, it's going to be the best thousand years this earth has ever seen. Amen. And, and so um, if you put up the next picture, this is kind of overall view of, of kind of the timeline of everything. Uh, you got the Old Testament. Um, and then, obviously, you got where Jesus died. On the cross, changing things. The church age is now this new thing, the mystery that we talked about uh, hidden from the beginning. The church age, uh, the rapture takes the church out of here. Then you've got that tribulation period that we've, we're talking about. Uh, and then you've got the second coming of Christ where he comes and he establishes his kingdom on the earth and he rules for a thousand years. Uh, and then after that, you've got the, the, the white throne judgment, the, the final judgment, and then then eternity begins after that. Uh, and so we've, we, we've just now 
covering the second coming where Jesus comes to the earth and starts to establish his kingdom. Uh, and, and so uh, we're going to dive into what does this kingdom look like here on the earth, uh, that we're going to be a part of it. Um, but we first have to realize and understand uh, that there will still be people here and nations in existence that survive this tribulation period. As, as, as harsh as it sounds and as much as you and I don't want to be here, uh, not everybody is completely wiped out. There are people that somehow miraculously survive the tribulation period. But we know that at least half of the world's population is wiped out, as we covered in the seals and the trumpets and the bowls. Half of the world's population, and so if we, if we start at eight, well now we're down to four billion people left. And not sure how many people die in that great slaughter when Jesus comes. Um, uh, we're not sure how many people die in that. We're not told. But maybe it's safe to say there's maybe two billion, two billion people left on the planet. I don't know. I guess it depends on how many people take the mark and all that that uh, uh, won't be around. But there's going to be people here left. Uh, again, this is only a seven-year period. I mean, all hell breaks loose on earth, but it's only seven years. Feels like It'll feel like an eternity, I'm sure. Uh, but it's only seven years, and people will survive when Jesus establishes kingdom on the earth. Uh, and so it's not just going to be you and me, church folk, uh, here at this moment. Uh, there will be others that have survived that didn't take the mark of the beast and, and made it. But the major difference and the major shift that we will see is that Israel is going to become the world superpower. Just like America is, the world basically revolves around America, Israel is going to be the world superpower. The world's going to revolve around the nation of Israel because that's what, that's what, God, that's what God established a nation of Israel to do, to rule the world and to let his righteousness and, uh, and kingdom uh, spread throughout the world. And so that's what their purpose is, to rule the world. And Jesus being their king, he's going to rule the world uh, through the nation. And so the nation of Israel is going to be the, the, the focus of this millennial reign. Uh, and Isaiah chapter 60 begins to tell us a little bit of these details uh, about the, the, the rule and reign of, of the nation of Israel. Isaiah 60 and 10, the sons of strangers shall build thy walls. Uh, context, obviously, chapter 60 is talking about the restoration and the glory of the nation of Israel. The sons of strangers shall build up thy walls. And their kings shall minister unto thee, for in my wrath I smote you, uh, but in my favor have I had mercy on thee. Therefore thy gates shall be open continually, and they shall not be shut day or night, that men may bring unto thee the forces of the Gentiles, and that their kings may be brought. For the, for the nation and the kingdom that will not serve thee, shall perish. Yea, the nations shall be utterly destroyed. And so in this time frame, uh, in the millennial reign, uh, where Israel is a focus of this world now, uh, the nations and kingdoms that do not serve Israel, God says, I'm just going to wipe them out. Uh, and so here they're utterly going to be destroyed if they will not serve the nation of Israel. Zechariah uh, describes also uh, the, this, this time period where Israel is the focus of the world. Verse 20, thus saith the Lord of hosts, it shall yet come to pass that there shall come people and the inhabitants of many cities and the inhabitants of one city shall go to another saying, let us go speedily to pray before the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I will go also. They're saying, hey, let's go to Jerusalem uh, let's go pray before the Lord. Let's go seek the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, yea, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. Now, how do we know that this hasn't happened yet? Because it hasn't happened yet. We, there's not a, we don't, all the, the books of history, uh, this has not happened yet uh, concerning the nation of Israel. 
And so it's obviously going to happen one day uh, in the millennial reign uh, where these nations say, let's go, we're going to go to Jerusalem and, and seek the Lord. Uh, verse 23, thus saith the Lord of hosts, in those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, we will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. And so the, the, all, all the nations that obviously are, you're, you're not, you're not an Israelite, you're not a Jew, so every other nation uh, is saying here that ten people are just going to grab a hold of a Jew and saying, hey, let us go with you. Let us go to the blessed city. Let us go to where uh, Jesus Christ is because we have heard that God is with you and that your nation is blessed above all other nations. And so uh, in this time period, uh, non-Gentile uh, nations, people that survive are going to say, we, we want to go to Israel. We want to go to Jerusalem because Jesus is there and we want to pray and we want to worship and we want to uh, bless you guys because we know that God is there with you and so during this time uh, the nation of Israel is the world's superpower because that's what Jesus uh, wanted all along is for Israel to rule the world and to be the central hub but obviously uh, they're humans and they've had a little bit of hard time uh, getting this plan together and, and obeying and just like you and I we have hard time uh, doing uh, everything God wants us to do, uh, but all part of God's plan, he says, if nobody, there's nobody can do it, uh, so I've got to come and do it myself, and he came to earth as, as a man and was crucified uh, so that all this would play out. And so here in the millennial reign, we see that Jerusalem and, and Israel is, is the center of the world, and, and all nations uh, want to come to it. Uh, people are begging and, and say, we know God is with you. And, obviously, as we read earlier, the nations and kingdoms that don't serve Israel, you're just going to be wiped out. And so once that happens a few times, uh, people are going to get the point that, hey, we don't, we, I know they, I know the world hates Israel right now, and, and they all talk down about Israel, but during the millennial reign when Jesus is here, people that do that just disappear. Uh, and people, people understand real quick that you don't talk about Israel that you don't you don't talk about Jesus, you don't you don't condemn them, you don't talk bad about them, and in fact, if you don't bless them, you're 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 gone too. And so uh, it talks about that talks that is as uh, when Jesus rules with a rod of iron, he rules with a rod of iron. When things doesn't happen, that rod of iron goes. The judgment happens immediately, and uh, as he said, if they don't serve you, they're gone. Uh, and so the world. Uh, uh, understands and appreciates, I don't know if they really appreciate Israel, but they know that, hey, we don't step out of line uh, in, in this time. So musicians, if you would come. Uh, and so you can see right now that the place that Israel has in the world today is, is, is so small and, and minuscule that all the, all the world is trying to get rid of Israel. But flip that around in a couple years, uh, that little place is going to be the ruler of all the world. Uh, it's going to be an amazing, amazing sight to see. But another aspect of the kingdom is, is that you remember going through the, the seals and the, the, the trumpets and the, the bowl judgments. You remember all the physical destruction that those things did to the earth. Um, uh, some kind of, uh, you know, the all all the sea is turned to blood, and the mountains and the islands are disappeared, and all the all the living things, creatures in the seas are dead. Everything is basically dead and turned to blood, and all these things. I mean, picture a world like that at the end of the seventh uh, vile judgment. Uh, this world looks like a mess, uh, and so um, God does some kind of renovation uh, when He comes to establish His His kingdom on the earth, and you can imagine, uh, you don't want to be around um, a lake full of blood and all the dead fish floating on top, that's, and, and that's everywhere, all the fresh water and all the sea, every, that's everywhere, it's going to produce such a, uh, a stench that is going to be horrible, uh, and so that's not a place you want to come and, and say, hey, let's, let's, let's set up shop here, uh, so Jesus has the creative power, and he, he does a renovation on the earth, and 
his renovation of the earth is going to be the greatest HGTV episode ever. Because from before and after, it's, it's, it's uh, miraculous. Literally, it's miraculous. And we see this in Isaiah chapter 65. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing, and her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem, and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. There uh, shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner, being a hundred years old, shall be accursed. And so I know, uh, we know when, uh, in Revelation 21, talks about a new heavens and a new earth, um, bringing in eternity. Here we are, but we see something different here, uh, some kind of re- renovation, uh, because we see that their death is still happens. Death still happens because the child shall die 100 years old, and the sinner being 100 years old shall be accursed. Now, in eternity, there's no sinners, and there's no death. So here, uh, child's children can, will die at 100, but the sinners that are remaining in the earth uh, will be accursed if they're 100 years old. So during the millennial kingdom, there still will be death, but death has it hasn't been removed yet, but death's power has been limited. Uh, kind of like in uh, the early Genesis chapters, how humans lived hundreds of years. And Adam lived to be, what, 939, and Methuselah lived 969 years. Well, that's almost a millennium. And uh, here, after, that is right after the fall. And so there was sin and death in the world. But obviously the sin and death's power wasn't as great as it is now if, if that's how it happens because uh, they obviously lived a lot longer than you and I lived. Uh, and so I don't know if, if sin's or, and death's power strengthened over the time or I don't, know, I don't know how it all works out. But here in the millennial kingdom we are, we are told uh, that uh, the righteous people, uh, righteous children, uh, they may die at 100 years old. Uh, and the th- during this time, it will be something like that, that a child will die at 100 years old, and people will say, wow, that was so sad. That, that child was so young, 100 years old. Why? If you can live to be 1,000 and you die at 100, they barely lived. Again, 100 is, uh, is, a, is a goal for us right now. But in, here in the millennial kingdom, once Jesus is here, uh, it'll be said that a child shall die at 100 years old, and they'll, they'll, they'll be sad. A, a child barely had to live, uh, only lived 100 years old. Uh, it says old men will fill their days, meaning they're probably going to live uh, very long days, uh, longer than the days that we live now. And so you're not going to need, you know, vitamins or Metamucil or whatever, whatever stuff that uh, we need now to, to make it to a long day. Uh, those days, you're going to live, it seems, hundreds of years. Uh, the old men will fill their days. Uh, the child will die at 100. But it says the sinner, being 100 years old, shall be accursed. And so sinners and unbelievers in the world will be lucky to live to be 100 because they're accursed. They're not, they don't, they're not, uh, they're not buying into all this. And, and so in the kingdom, there's going to be an interesting dynamic of people because Jesus is ruling here on the earth, and uh, uh, the devil is not done yet, and hell is not done yet, and death is not done yet. But it's Jesus says, hey, it's my time to rule this earth, and let me show you guys how it should be done. Uh, after, after the thousand years, it goes into eternity where there's no more death, no more sin, and all these things. It's a different, uh, a different uh, time period. But uh, here in this thousand years of reign, Millennial kingdom, there's going to be a different dynamic of people. The sinners will be lucky to live to be 100 years old. Uh, there will be Israelites and people that, uh, children that will die at 100, uh, and they'll be considered a child. And then you'll have, uh, you'll have the people that are under the, the, the power of death that die, as we see here, a child dying at 100. 
But then you're also going to have this group of people that are believers. Um, and, and remember, the dead in Christ shall rise, and they shall, they'll, uh, we get resurrected bodies. And so here, as Jesus has a resurrected body, and if we're in heaven and we're coming with him to the earth, guess what? We're going to have resurrected bodies as well, and we're going to rule and reign on the earth uh, with him. But there's still going to be, so we're going to be, we're going to be basically immortals uh, because we, we've escaped the death and we have resurrected bodies. We're going to be living forever. But there's still going to be people on earth that are dying. Uh, death doesn't have any power over us uh, and people that have resurrected uh, in the rapture. So we're not going to die, uh, but there will be people that are dying. Uh, it's kind of like that weird that interesting moment where Jesus is resurrected and he goes and hangs out with his disciples for 40, uh, 40 50 days uh, because he's resurrected and they're not. Uh, and so you got two different dynamics of people there. Uh, that's how it's going to be in the, the millennial kingdom. People are dying, but yet you and I will not be uh, affected by death. Uh, and so it's going to be an interesting time. Um, uh, so if you stand with me tonight. And so Isaiah continues on. They shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are, the days of my people will be. How old do trees get? Trees can get really old, hundreds of years old. So here Jesus is saying this time, the days of a tree are going to be like the days of my people. They're going to live a long time. Mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. And so uh, the, the house that they build, uh, they're going to outlive their house. Their, 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 the, the wood or whatever materials are around them then that time, uh, that may fade away. And you have to, hey, i got to build another house. My house rotted. It's 500 years old. And I'm still alive and I need a house. The wood didn't survive the 500 years, but I did. Uh, and, and so, uh, mine elect shall enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth trouble. But they, they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord, and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass, that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. And so in the kingdom, prayers are going to be answered even, more, even before you finish praying them. Because he said, before they call, I will answer. Before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. No more waiting and no more travailing and no more building prayer memorials before the Lord. No more praying for your family for 20 years because Jesus says, before they call, I'm going to answer them. And while you are speaking the very words, Jesus is going to hear them and he's going to respond to them. Uh, not that he doesn't hear them now, but in the kingdom, everything happens instantaneously. Because God's will is being done in the earth as it is in heaven. How do you think God's will happens in heaven? When he says, go and do this, do you think, well, let's just wait around. And uh, God's will in heaven is done immediately. And so when God, the kingdom of heaven is here on the earth and God's rule in the earth, whatever God says happens immediately. And so that's why he says, while they're yet praying, while they're yet calling on me, I'm going to hear them and I'm going to answer them even before they're finished praying uh, because uh, God's will is being done. And, and the same dynamic is going to be happening here on the earth. Instant answered prayers. And so why do you think it talks about Ten men, ten Gentiles are, are, are going to grab a hold of one Jew and say, let me go with you to Jerusalem. Let me go with you to that blessed city because when you guys pray, immediately your prayers are answered. And, and I want to come and worship the Lord and I want to go there and be with you because we know that God is with you. We know that you are blessed and we know that your prayers are answered before you even finish them. 
See, but you and I, uh, today, we don't have to wait until the end of Revelation to experience the blessings of the kingdom. We already get to experience the blessings of the kingdom now, today. We already get to experience His peace that passes all understanding. The, the joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. We already get to experience that now in this life. And, and oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We know that He is good. Why? Because we get to experience it now, and yet forevermore we're going to see it. And so that is why we praise Him. That is why we worship Him today. Let's do that together. Let's magnify the name of the Lord Jesus. It's because we already get to experience benefits of this coming kingdom right here in this life. We're here to worship Him. We're here to magnify His name. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord. For the peace that passes all understanding. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings, Lord, that are poured out upon our life, God. Lord, that we know we don't deserve, but you are gracious and merciful. Well, we come to gather before you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, isn't he worthy? Let's worship him. Let's magnify him one more time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your kingdom, God. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy that we can experience these blessings right now in this life. But, God, that we know that greater things are yet to come. God, help us to remain faithful, Lord, to you and your word, that we may see your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Amen. We give you the praise and the glory. Amen. There are great things in store uh, for our life as believers, but also this world. As bad as it looks, amen, all it takes is seven years, and it, this world can be turned upside down, and God is going to rule in righteousness in this world. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name.